and welcome to episode 432 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. I'm your host, Clarence Moy, and I'm joined by one other M. So, M, let's go around the cooler and tell the listeners who you are and where they can find you on the internet. Oh, let's just do away with the uh, with the formalities. Joey, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing fine. Unfortunately, Megan couldn't be with us tonight because we're talking about spooky stuff, and, and Megan has a delicate constitution and didn't want to talk about spooky stuff. <laughs> no, I think uh, Megan is actually uh, is off um, casting spells with Miss Stevie Nicks. So yeah, she's prancing around. There's a lot of Afghans that she's turned into two Nicks, just <laughs> twirling in circles of top hats. And, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I picture Megan right now. Yeah. Um. So uh, what Joey and I are going to talk about, as I've alluded to, we're going to be in a spooky mood because it's almost October, which means it's almost my favorite time of year. Actually, I have entered my favorite season of the year because I've made my annual trek down to uh, Orlando, Florida to participate in Halloween-based activities. And um, (laughs) so that we're going to talk about uh, Halloween Horror Nights because, Joey, in two weeks, you're attending Halloween Horror Nights in Universal Studios, Florida, yourself. Correct. Yeah, the first time I haven't been. Um, I I've been to Disney World like twice. I've been to Universal like a handful of times. Um, so this we're uh, leaving on the fourth, and then we are staying. Jason has a conference, so we're staying on Disney property. We're at the Dolphin. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're staying. That's where his conference is. Um, I was very conflicted about giving the state of Florida money, but Jason keeps telling me he was like, "Technically, we're not giving it to Ron DeSantis. We're giving it to the, the people that he has uh, gone to war with." So he was like, "You can rest assured that we're staying on Disney property, and the conference um, uh, is is uh, not, you know, utilizing a loophole, if you will." Even though I still don't like giving the state of Florida money. It is, uh, yeah. it is, you know, that, that area is definitely sort of in the bubble, right? It, it's yeah. in the, uh, whatever kind of bubble you want to call it, liberal bubble, gay bubble, whatever it is. It's, mm. uh, the non DeSantis bubble, um, for sure. Although, um, you know, Florida's Florida, Florida is always going to Florida. So, mm-hmm. um, but what I would recommend is that you have a great time and we'll talk about, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Um, we'll educate our listeners as to what it is. And then um, I'll give you my capsule reviews of the major houses. And I'll explain the difference between the IP and the non-IP houses. And then I think we're going to very quickly jump into a conversation around Netflix's upcoming limited series, Fall, The Fall in the Fall of the House of Usher. I always want to say The Fall in the House of Usher, but it's The Fall of the House of Usher. Um, which is written by Mike Flanagan, who previously brought us The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor, as well as Midnight Mass and in uh, cinemas, uh, Dr. Sleep. Um, the Stephen King horror aficionado comes again with a another uh, spooky limited series. So we're going to talk about uh, that uh, based on what we've seen of it. And uh, of course, we'll have the flash forward to the media we're most anticipating the upcoming week. And if you were anticipating our... Uh, fantasy Oscar pool, uh, which I know some listeners have been, have reached out. When are you doing this? We're going to do it next week since, since uh, Megan had to, uh, to, to, to sojourn with uh, the blood moon. <laughs> and uh, um, we'll do that next week. We promise. 
Uh, have you already made your picks? Um, what I do every year for the fantasy Oscars, I don't make picks necessarily. I make, <laughs> you just I, go, God damn it. God damn it. It's I take, I go, I look, I pull up every single contender that I can find and I put them in columns of like, you know, men, women, and then by their names, I'm like, this is supporting, this is lead. And then I, um, have another column for titles since we do movies. Uh, so, uh, so then I just imagine me in a closet feverishly, my eyes darting up and down, <laughs> trying to figure out the best strategy. <laughs> well, if I pick this person, someone's going to pick this person, but I can't pick five people at once. And blah, blah, blah. That's the thing. And, and, you know, since Megan's not here, not to talk about her behind her back, but that's the thing Megan always forgets every year. She always complains about never winning, but she always forgets to play it strategically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, but we're not going to tell her that, are we? <laughs> unless she listens to this episode <laughs> oh we love you megan all right uh so starting off with halloween horror nights so this is the 32nd year um that universal studios orlando has done halloween horror nights and what it is is a <laughs> fairly expensive very popular very often very crowded um event where Universal Studios turns its many sound stages that used to be used in a lot of working productions like Problem Child 2. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, shit. there's a wall. I, don't, I didn't notice it this year, but there's a wall that you go down while you're waiting in one of the houses where it has plaques of all the, the uh, films that have been made in that particular sound stage. And I'm always, uh, I'm always fascinated by Problem Child 2 was made there. <laughs> I used um, to love Problem Child too. Super sidebar, so random. So uh, they turn all their most of their sound stages and a couple of pop up tents into walk through haunted house experiences. So they use their Universal Studios budget. They have uh, cinematic quality uh, special effects. They've got scare actors who have been trained to know exactly how to to, to find their mark to scare the living shit out of their mark and then pop away. Um, and often they are, there's two categories of these haunted houses. One is intellectual property. One is non-intellectual property, the intellectual property, the things that are the headliner events. These are the ones that usually have the longest lines through the evening. Um, and speaking of long lines, I don't know if you followed up on this yet, Joey, but if you don't have an express pass, you're not going to get to do all the houses. So remember, buy yourself an express pass because they do sell out. And I'm, I'm going to message Jason again. He's like, hi, hello. <laughs> it's honestly, I mean, this year they, when I first started going to Halloween Horror Nights, they had around uh, eight, seven to eight houses. And it was definitely manageable within an evening because it was open till two o'clock in the morning. Um, if you're going on a Saturday, if you don't have an express pass, it's, it's going to be really difficult for you to do all 10 because <laughs> the lines do get long. Great. Unless it's pouring as it's given to do in Orlando. And then, um, then you'll just be wet, but there will be people who don't, who leave. The problem is a lot of, not the problem, but, um, the locals buy basically frequent, frequent flyer passes or frequent. Mm. Uh, and so they, they go on the weekend all the time and they are totally fine with just walking in and doing like two or three houses and coming back. Cause they're going to go back another weekend. They're going to constantly go through the week. Um, I was there on a Thursday night and I saw, I mean, it was like 45% kids that were under the age of 16 and they were there till two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, 
being the 48 year old dad that I am, I'm like, don't you have school tomorrow? (laughs) Don't don't you need to go home? Um, Anyway, get that express pass. This year's intellectual property houses are Stranger Things uh, based off of season four. So we've got Vecna and we've got uh, lots of of scenes of eight, 11, excuse me, not eight, 11 uh, (laughs) outstretched arm with hand, you know, doing that stuff and screaming bloody noses. Um, We've got Exorcist the Believer. Now this is based off of the upcoming film, uh, The Exorcist Believer. Um, we've got the last of us, which is not based off of the HBO show. It is based off of the PlayStation video game. I suppose because it was cheaper to get the rights to the video game than it was to work with Warner, um, to get the rights to the show. So the casual observer, you, if you walk through this house, you will never know the difference, but it is based off of the video game. Um, we have Chucky, the ultimate kill count, which is based off of the, uh, TV the series TV Chucky, okay. yeah, which is a universal Peacock property. So um, there's a Chucky thing, and then there are six um, non-intellectual property houses. One is a Universal Monsters one, which I guess technically counts as an intellectual property, mm-hmm. but Universal owns it. But it's like a uh, um, Phantom of the Opera, Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Invisible Man, and Mister Doctor uh, Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and then five other houses that are just kind of spooky kind of new creations that they, they put out, which are, um, I always think the, uh, personally, I always gravitate toward the non IP stuff because when you look at something like stranger things and you've done this a couple of times, you know exactly what to expect when you just watch (laughs) the show. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know that there's going to be a room that has fake spiders in it. If you've watched stranger things, seasons four, season four, you know, there's going to be, you know, the trailer with the portal. You know, there's going to be lots of dolls that look like Vecna is popping all their limbs and, you know, and askew, you know, how he does and, and you know, mm-hmm. the cheerleader in the beginning of the show. Um, and that's all there. And I will say this is the first year I've been, in, in, perhaps ever, but definitely in a long time, where all of the houses were good. I had a, a great mm. time in all of them. Usually there's one dud, um, at least one dud. But uh, no, I mean, everything was good. Um, probably my favorite was an IP, a non-IP house called Blood Moon Dark Offerings, which is a little bit, um, it reminded me of uh, like a, a coven kind of thing, like a Roanoke. Okay. If, if you go back to American Horror Story and you think Roanoke, but they're witches, um, kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. Lots of sacrificing in uh, <laughs> Salem and stuff like that. In a colonial area era village, moon worshippers witness a blood moon at their fall festival. They take it as a sign to hunt down any non-followers, including you and your scream squad. Now, I'm going to say that sounds like a lot of fun, <laughs> but it is. It's incredibly fun. I'm going. Okay, so the people that are mainly going to the haunted houses are me, Jason, and our friend Perry and her boyfriend, um, who's very hot, um, and she doesn't like anything scary she won't watch scary movies she won't like anytime we have like a scary movie night she's like oh i gotta go oh my god i gotta leave and then i was just like uh, i was telling jason earlier i was like because i i don't have to go into it but with my uh recent injury i was like if i start to feel better and i go in a plane 
all the way down to fucking bath salts, Florida. And this bitch gets scared enough and like pushes me or jumps on me and I re-hurt myself. I will kill her. <laughs> yeah. You need to let her either go last or first. If she goes last, she probably won't get the big scares. If she goes for, if you like, if you depends on how much you like this person, right? I mean, oh, I love her, but I, I okay. don't want her. I, I want her to be with her boyfriend because yeah. he's very muscly and, and manly and straight. And I was just like, I should not be the person that you cling to. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely not. Um, but do these, uh, things, do these like scare you? Like, 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 um, what has ever been like the, like the creepiest thing that has ever like freaked you out at one of these things? Cause you're such a, an avid fan and I know you look forward to going to this every year, but I mean, like, has there ever been one that like totally blew your mind or like, holy shit, that was like worth it. Or I was scared or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, it's, I, I'm failing to recall some things right now, but I can, I can, I've been to enough to where I recognize props that they reuse year after year. And I know their <laughs> gimmicks. Um, they have a trick where you enter a room that looks like, imagine, I think they used this when they did their asylum house years ago, but they, you enter a long room. Imagine if it was like a church, like a, a sanctuary and you see a bunch of, of, uh, of, uh, pews. <laughs> That's they terrifying will, enough to me. <laughs> yeah, they will put they'll put a mirror halfway through the room. You don't know it's there, um, but oh. what it makes it look like is that the room extends, and really what it is is it's hiding an actor that's standing behind the mirror, and as you're walking through what you think is an empty space, there's actually a person standing there because it is not empty, uh, and he will jump out and scare you. And that's one of the um, that's one of the more effective things that they do a couple of times this year. There's another trick that they have where they 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 do the look bright shiny object thing where they've got something that draws your attention and then there's an mm -hmm. actor who's waiting for you to not be paying attention at all to him and to be paying attention to the bright shiny thing or the whatever kind of um whether it's somebody ripping a fake skeleton uh, spine out of a body or something like that oh, you know God. you're watching this and oh. then this person comes up and he waits for you just to start to turn your head and then they pop right in your face they don't touch you but they will get pretty close to you Okay. Um, those are some of the more effective ones. My, uh, one of my, uh, yeah, like I said, Blood Moon was my favorite house because I felt like it was the most original. It was fun. And I like, like old timey Salem village looking stuff. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, hocus pocus, but they go insane. Um, but uh, the Universal Monsters one, I think you're really going to like because they do, half of it is Phantom of the Opera, but not like, you know, Christine, it's, uh, it's more of a super gory take on Phantom of the Opera. Um, I can get into that. Yeah. Yeah. That one's pretty cool. I, uh, I really couldn't, they kind of give the, um, the invisible man and Jekyll and Hyde kind of the short chain, short shrift. Mm. Uh, the two major things you could tell were the, uh, hunchback and, uh, Phantom of the Opera. Cause like I said, half okay. of the house was Phantom of the Opera getting into the intellectual property stuff chucky is fun um it's it's a funny house it's it's got a a really decent animatronic doll of chucky that starts it um i like that it, it it's surprisingly gory in some ways mm -hmm. um, i don't watch the show so i don't know if the show is also gory but they do show clips from the show and those look pretty gory so i assume yeah. it's true to its nature the last of us i thought was good although for a long, long time, 
you won't have this issue, but for a long, long time, they did uh, have Walking Dead almost every single year. Yeah. And I'm kind of have PTSD from all the Walking Dead houses. Mm-hmm. This started to feel a little bit like a Walking Dead house, um, but it's, yeah. uh, it, it's a good one. And uh, Stranger Things is the one that usually has the most, uh, the highest weight. Um, and it is, it, is a, it is a good house. They do a good job with Stranger Things. I think Netflix uh, tends to get involved in the creation of this because they want to protect their property. Um, yeah. So it's, it's very, very well done in terms of its costumes and set design. And, um, you know, whether you will be scared, but I think you're also going to come out of that going, oh my God, the production design was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be like someone could be like chasing me down with the chainsaw and be like i love the wallpaper in your bloody dining room thank you so yep. much for having me yep that's uh, that's pretty much exactly what it's gonna be yeah um the exorcist i was i thought it was fine i i i uh i i haven't seen the movie obviously that hasn't come out yet but it's it's basically i've seen the trailer and the trailer is these two little girls go in a um i guess they go camping in the woods and then something happens to them again they possessed by the same demon that possessed reagan in Mm -hmm. the original exorcist and they they just kind of you walk through the house and they just kind of pop up and scream at you or say nasty things to you (laughs) like you know um there's just only cock in hell yeah yeah exactly uh so there's not that much I think that they can do with that. I think they do a fine yeah. job, but it's it's not it's not great. Um, okay. But uh, bottom line, um, you should. It's going to be confusing. You're going to um, you, when you when the gates open, you're going you're going to be completely disoriented. You're not going to know where to go. You're what I would do is just as soon as you step in Universal, you've been to Universal before, so that the, right when you pass mm-hmm. the main gate, you know there's the Universal Studio store. Um, to the right across from that, you, you take that street that takes you down, like, you know, Sunset Boulevard or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, there's a sign there that will tell you the wait times on the houses. Start with the houses with the lowest wait time. And um, if you don't have an Express Pass, that's the only way to do it. If you do have an Express Pass... Um, Go for the bigger houses first. So I should just like, so I think we have tickets for stuff. Do I just need to buy an express pass like in addition to it? Yeah. So you probably okay. have an, an yeah. a standard entry ticket and then um, you'll need an express pass that is specifically tied to the date that you're visiting. Make sure that's very cool. important. Don't okay. buy an express pass just and pick any kind of date. It has to match the date that's on your, okay. your other ticket. Um, they also have these things called scare zones. So uh, I think there's about five of these. So as you walk from house to house, you'll walk through an area where there's actors just kind of roaming around. There's one that's really fun. It's over there in front of the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show exhibit, which is you know traditionally not an area of fun. Um, and it's uh, it's it's like a a '60s sort of um, well, it's like if hair went homicidal. As I okay. was walking through it, they were playing uh, Sweet Caroline, and these and these characters were walking around covered in fake blood, and they would have like limbs, and they were doing conga lines. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a lot of fun. I mean, it's you know a lot of it's just goofy fun. Um, I would do those last. Get the houses out of the way first. Don't worry about the scare zones because if you if you don't do the scare zones, you're not going to miss much. Yeah. I mean. Okay. But um, yeah, and uh, I will be. Available to you on standby. <laughs> yeah, you you're basically like 
you're going to be like my, uh, what is it? Like my customer service, uh, phone you know, phone a friend. You'd be like, hi. And I can just imagine you with a little like headset <laughs> putting, <laughs> putting a hold music on. One thing that uh, I find, um, it, it doesn't get dark there until about 7.30 or somewhere between, excuse me, 7 and 7.30. One thing that I'm always annoyed by is I try to use my express pass as soon as I get in, which is, you know, they do open the gates at 6 p.m. Even though the, the uh, advertised time is 6.30, they do open them early. And they don't turn on all of the house lights until it's dark outside. So I always get very annoyed because several times I have gone in between the hours of six and seven and I have walked into a nearly com completely dark house oh, that I no. literally cannot see where I'm going. And there's people scaring the piss out of me. And then I'm also like, okay, I've burned an express pass, but I didn't see any of the stuff in the house because yeah. it was too dark. So that, that you kind of have to gauge, um, hmm. you know, because uh, you, you, you don't want to wait too late because then the lines will start popping up. But you also don't want to go too early because then that happens because they don't turn the full lights on. They, I don't know why they don't do that. It's, it's strange hmm. because it, half of them are in sound stages and they're obviously sheltered from daylight. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Any, any, any questions? No, not currently, but if I think of any, I will definitely reach out. I uh, there is a uh, a actor walking around as uh, as I, as I said. Any questions? As David S. Pumpkins <laughs> from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> um, oh, I did not see him, but I have seen YouTube videos of him, and he's he's fine. Um, there's also a pop up Megan doll dance trio, or oh, not the, like a like a flash that. dance. It's not a trio. It's like ten dancers. They're all dressed up like Megan the doll and they all are perfectly choreographed. You can also see it on YouTube. I did not see them once. They don't tell you um, when they're showing up. It's just kind of a thing. They kind of just walk up and, and you see it and it's you know just a special experience. Um, but yeah, those things are also going on. So I'm very excited for you to go. I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. I wish yeah. I could, uh, I, I, if circumstances hadn't been as they were, I wish I had... Uh, been there at the same time as you, and I would have loved to have walked <laughs> through a house behind you. <laughs> yeah, as I say, you would make me go first. <laughs> absolutely would. Yeah, absolutely would. Although I'm a I'm a pretty jumpy person, so um, I got um, my friends. I've done this with my friends enough times where every time I come out of the house, they'll go, "You got got." Like yes, <laughs> that's did. fine. Uh, the next day I'm usually, uh, very hoarse and cannot speak because yeah. I, I, uh, scream quite a bit. I'm pretty, I'm pretty like jumpy, even if I'm expecting it. Um, so I expect to, uh, yeah, maybe lose my voice a little bit just because I, and I, and I also feel like I, um, will, will tell, like, I don't, I, I can't really control what comes out of my mouth a lot. So I'm probably <laughs> going to tell a bunch of ghosts to go fuck themselves. I imagine. Yeah. Um, just don't yell at them. Don't push them. These are, these oh, are yeah, actors yeah. doing yeah, a course. job and these are, these are all kids essentially. I mean, they're like 22, something like that. Yeah. Um, you will also be conflicted because some of them will look very dead, but they'll also look very attractive. Yeah. Don't, I, I mean, it's Florida. Everyone's just as much as everyone is, uh, you know, uh, crazy. Um, I mean, everyone's just hot, like physically and, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. 
All right. Um, so let's talk about Netflix's new limited series, uh, The Fall of the House of Usher. Why don't you kick us off there? Okay, so um, this is the new uh, season from Mike Flanagan. Um, I was really looking forward to this. I mean, he's got like the, you know, a good amount of the same people like Katie Siegel, Roel Coley, which, dear God, he needs to... Uh, he is so unbelievably hot and then also just a really fun presence online. Uh, of course, Carlo Gugino, uh, Mark Hamill is in this season. Um, so it's basically all about the uh, Usher family who um, the I, I've seen two episodes of this um, and it <laughs> it's based on the uh, Edgar Allan Poe work and it's basically about a like corrupt ceo of a uh, pharmaceutical company um who's sort of like confronting his um you know his his family's history when uh, like all of his kids are dead like but when the show starts like all of his children all of his uh you know beloved children i guess to a certain degree his uh, illegitimate children there are, there are many, many, many children. They are all died. They've all died. And um, he, it's, I think it's what, Bruce Greenwood? Um, yeah. Who plays the patriarch, if you will. And um, I think it's eight episodes. We, I, I imagine, because I've seen the first two, um, no, I will admit I wasn't entirely conscious <laughs> for all of them. I was watching the very likes. I wanted to watch them at a spooky time. Um you know, I think every episode is we're going to see what happens to one of his children. I will say episode two, you see a really, really grisly death, in my opinion. Um, I I like it so far. I think the only uh, quibble that I necessarily have with it is just the way that it is structured is just um, they're all dead and if if it is if it does go the way that I think it does, and we see how each one of them dies, mm-hmm. we know that they're dead. So a little bit of tension is has already been taken out of it. Um, so I don't know. I feel like it's like a a bloodier version of maybe <laughs> Succession leaning. Um, so I don't know. I I know you're a big fan of Mike Flanagan's work, especially, and I think I think the two of us were both really big fans of uh, the how the haunting of hill house um so uh i i'm not sure how you feel about this one i've seen one more episode than you have i do uh, find it more uh broadly entertaining i think than um than bly manor i bly manor yeah. i just did not care for um i respect him it's weird because i do respect him but i haven't loved anything that he's done outside of hill house um, Hill House, I think, is just is just totally brilliant. I mean, I, I understand people have oh, yeah. issues with the ending. Um, I find Hill House to be one of the most scary television shows I've ever seen. In fact, I want to rewatch it um, this Halloween. I say that every year, and I never do, but I'm going to rewatch it this Halloween. That um, um, that yeah, that I mean, that Funeral Home episode alone. Oh, I think brilliant. that's one of the most brilliant episodes of TV I've ever seen. I that ranks right up there with the suitcase episode of of <laughs> Mad Men oh, and yeah. Connor's Wedding, in my opinion, um, of Succession. I had the same issue with the fall of the House of Usher that you seem to have, which is the um, the the sort of the the way that this is all set up. It is told 
in flashbacks, the suspense is taken out because you know that Roderick Usher's children are all dead and you're just waiting for, to see how they die. Yeah. Um, which I think takes a little bit of the fun out of it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. there is some creativity in these deaths. Um, the mm-hmm. one that you're talking about at the end of the second episode is, uh, I was just about to eat dinner and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to, yeah. um, yeah. It's like, and we're dead. <laughs> but you know, it's there are things in it that I really like, and there are things in it that I find incredibly annoying. Um, there's a character who plays sort of an archetype, and this this person, I'm, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but this person just kind of wanders around and and speaks in metaphors and does dastardly things. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, what what the fuck is going on here? Like, <laughs> and I'm I'm. I'm cringing a little bit at the character's name, which is an anagram for something else. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 and another thing that I, I think there's, there's, so what he's doing here is he's taking each episode and kind of telling an Edgar Allan Poe story through each of these episodes. Um, you can tell by the titles of the, one of them is called the murders in the Rue morgue. Um, and another one is, is, uh, um, okay. Well, what was the second one? Uh, the, the room or was the third one that I just watched. The second one is, um, mask of the red death. Um, oh yeah. yeah. So you're, and you're going to get telltale heart. You're going to get the black cat, that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, I think Mike Flanagan becomes so obsessed with kind of shoehorning that Poe logic and mm-hmm. that Poe mm-hmm. experience into the episodes that he's kind of for, the, the characters just aren't as well built as they were in something like Midnight Mass, which is a show that ultimately I didn't care for, but at least it had characters that were real and that you could really follow. And these are just horribly shallow individuals who you just are watching die one by one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, and I, I yeah. don't know if you had this issue with it. I mean, this is not an issue with the show, um, but I, I, I find it kind of funny. I, I will ask our listeners to harken back to maybe a year and a half ago when this was filming and Frank Langella was originally cast as Roderick Usher, the lead of the show. And he had some sort of inappropriate activity um, mm-hmm. going on and he got fired from the show. And then he was replaced with uh, Bruce Greenwood, who uh, Mike Flanagan has worked before in um, that uh, Carl Gugino movie. Uh, oh, God, I forgot who was in that. Yeah. Yeah, Gerald's game. Yeah, Gerald's game. Um I can't see Frank Langella in that role at all. Like, I, I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I just can't. Like there is there is something about the um I think um as a surprise to nobody, um, that uh there is sort of has always been uh, there's like a twinkle in Bruce Greenwood's eye a little bit. There's something about his, like, he's a very traditionally handsome man. I mean, he played like, um, he played like, the first thing I ever saw him in was that JFK, Kevin Costner, uh, uh, 13 Days. And I was just like, this is a really good looking dude. And every, I don't think he's, he's got like the leading man looks, but not the leading man career. Um, so I feel I, I had completely forgotten that Frank Langella was supposed to play that part. And I sort of was like, all right, he was supposed to be that. Oh, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, and he's good. Uh, he's good in it. Um, I, I, I kind of had to 
I did a little bit of a double take that Mary McDonald. Oh, oh yeah, I was so excited to see her. <laughs> I love her. Um, she's good at it too. All of the actors are good. I just feel like they're not given much to play with. Yeah, honestly. like I think like it's um this may sound like an insult, but I feel like it's it doesn't and maybe I'm just haven't got to that part yet, but it's not as deep as his other stuff is, but I'm still having a lot of fun with it. Um like I was really surprised and I know you weren't as big as on Midnight Mass, but I think strangely the person who I think maybe maybe out of the three of us, correct me if I'm wrong, was like I didn't grow up with any religion and I I, I was really drawn into that story. I like how he mashed up like vampire horrific, super bloody with these like crazy, crazy Samantha Sloyan over the top, you know, characters. I don't know. I was really drawn into that show, but and um, I think there's something kind of like cheekily macabre about this. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I don't know, when I saw the trailer and I saw Carla Gugino walking around with that like ridiculous mask on, I was like, all right, I'm fine. Sure. Great. There's something, I don't know. Yeah. And if it, and if they wanted to do like, um, if the deaths keep getting completely over the top and make a jigsaw a little bit jealous, that'd be it. <laughs> Good for them. Um, I will say the uh, the the second death in the third episode is not nearly as gory as the uh, the first death. I will say, I guess they realize that like we have to like start off with a bag, but it was yeah. I was like I was just like I remember watching that and I was like ah ah <laughs> so gross. Ultimately, I do think the f- farther they get away from um, the the sort of the central narrative of the show, which is him retelling all the events, the farther away they get away from that, the more I'm enjoying it. It's just when you know they, if the first episode is kind of heavy with that, and it's just you know that that popping back and that constant you know kind of yeah. sermonizing about these events, and I killed all these people, and and I don't know, it's just it it just doesn't fully work for me. But once you kind of get into the individual yeah. stories, it does get better. I do think like the um, like we get into the story and like, you know, there's in the first episode, they're they're all sitting around the dinner table and, you know, have all these like sort of kooky, shallow, almost over the top personalities. And then it cuts back to them sitting in the chairs, just talking. I was like, stop doing that. Just let the story just, I don't know if you want to narrate it, that's fine. But every time they kept cutting back to uh, Bruce Greenwood and the other character sitting in the chairs by the fire in the dark, I was like, stop, 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 yeah. stop, 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 stop. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and it, it's, it doesn't have as many jump scares as I'm accustomed to with, um, well, he started that whole thing with, with uh, Hill House, right? I mean, that, that he's sort of the jump scare daddy. Um, and, uh, huh. And then after that, it's just kind of hard to um, to kind of compete. Uh, so it, it, yeah. it's it's yeah. not particularly scary, in my opinion. It's just um, it's 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 unsettling. How about that? He does a lot of, and I actually maybe this is why I'm really drawn into him. Is he does a lot of things where every time I'm watching something, I'm like, I feel like my eyes are darting around mm-hmm. to see if there's someone standing in the background. Like it's sort of like remember the movie The Strangers. Yes. When um, Liv Tyler is standing in the kitchen and she like lights a cigarette and then like a person just there's no music, there's no sound. The person just like steps into the frame and he has like a sack over his face. And just that 
alone is terrifying to me. So I feel like Mike Flanagan does a good job of that typically. Um, he does, and he does a little bit of that in the beginning of the of the series. Yeah, um, it, with the uh, the house in the storm, and and someone is uh, yeah, yeah, standing behind him, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, if you if you want that, you have to go back and rewatch Hill House so you can spot all the ghosts. Because remember, there are like there's hands under tables. You know, there's just mm-hmm. there are things happening within the frame that are never referenced and it's just up to you to kind of look around and spot. Oh, there's like something like 65 ghosts in the, in the background of that, of the, of the, uh, the, uh, the series that are never referenced as part of the plot. It's just, they're there. There's like one particular shot in the funeral home where, um, I remember the, the one guy's name, um, where you he's standing at the front of the room where the body is and in the background you can see like the daughter just standing there yeah and like there's rows upon rows of these ugly um you know typical chairs that you would see at a funeral home and the family sitting in on the aisles of all the you know in between and i was just like no one's gonna see, no one's gonna see her no one's then <laughs> it's just up to you to be like what 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 <laughs> yeah. you're watching it i love that shit i do think um anybody who's very familiar with uh with edgar Allan poe i think he's putting a lot of time calling out these little easter eggs to edgar Allan poe if you're really familiar with poe's work um, I mean, all you need to do is look at the Wikipedia page and look at even the most minor characters and they reference, yeah. you know, some person or in Poe's life or some minor character in a story or sometimes it's major character like Annabelle Lee. Um, but if you're more familiar with Poe's work, I think you're going to find, you know, going to have much more fun with this. Mm-hmm. But it is not bad. I know we've been very critical of it. It is not a bad show. I I do enjoy it. I am propelled through it. I I I am watching, you know, pretty quickly. So uh yeah. Yeah. I'm anxious to finish it. Yeah. But the whole thing drops all at once on October the twelfth. I was a little surprised that that embargo lifted so early. They're high on it. Um and and you know, the critics yeah. have been have been uh, very kind to it. Um, the okay, Rotten I haven't Tomatoes. read any of the reviews yet, so no, nor have I. But the Rotten Tomato score is a ninety-seven. Oh, um, wow. Metacritic, of course, is a little bit lower, um, like a seventy-five or seventy-seven, something like that. The last I checked, but um, you know, people like Mike Flanagan's work. I think he's becoming a uh, a bit of a name in terms of television horror. So, yeah. and uh, and it, you know, he gets to go home to Kate Siegel. So. Oh, she looks amazing in this. And she's gorgeous, but I, I you know, uh, she, uh, she has this like, it's like very light blue or like white hair. Yeah. In this, and I was just like, oh, you need to. I don't know. She's, she's, yeah, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's jump to the flash forward to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. And uh, Joey, I'll let you go first. Sure. Um, I am oddly looking forward to the creator mm-hmm. um i don't know if it's because of all of the advertising that i saw for it you know had said you know from the director of rogue one that i 
stupidly, before I even saw a trailer, I just saw the posters and the standees of movie theaters. I thought it was a Star Wars movie. <laughs> and then I saw the trailer and I was like, this isn't a Star Wars movie. And for some reason, every time that I see the trailer, I was like, I really want to see that. And I don't know why. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean, John David Washington, I mean, it's, it just looks like a, it just looks like a very solid sci-fi movie. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so I want to see that. Um, I, I'm trying really hard to, I tried doing this last year, but I, I failed miserably. So every year the Academy releases a list of every single, um, short film festival, um, it's an Oscar qualifying mm-hmm. uh, film festival, like uh, a way to qualify for a live action short, animated short or documentary short is if you um, win uh, an award at one of these qualifying festivals. I printed out the pay- the um, the list from the Academy's website. It is 18 pages long. Um, I'm trying to compile it. I've been trying to do this for like a week and a half of trying to make an Excel spreadsheet where I try to parse through and see how many I've actually seen because I feel like I have seen a lot. Um, so that's a lot of busy work that I'm going to be doing. Um, I am supposed to watch a bunch of homosexual shorts and a couple of features for a film festival out. Um, it's called Out on Film. Um, I think it's from Atlanta. Dear God, if I got that wrong, that's really bad. Um, but a movie that was just brought to my attention that sounds so ridiculous that it has to be somewhat good <laughs> is starring it's on lifetime um it is a movie called amish stud the eli weaver story um and it stars luke mcfarlane who i love um who is openly gay he was in he's like the love interest of billy eigner and bros um this is a true story of a philandering husband named eli weaver um who I guess wanted to run away with his side piece. So he hatched a plan to murder his wife. That sounds like the most, um, it's based on a book called a killing in Amish country, sex betrayal and a cold blooded murder by Greg Olson and Rebecca Morris. It's a TV movie with a title like Amish stud. I hope it has a little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Cause Jesus Christ. Um, it just looks ridiculous. And I, I I think Megan is probably amping her DVR because even though she knows Luke McFarlane is openly gay, she every chance she gets, anytime I bring him up, she's just like, oh my God, he's so hot. Oh my God, he's so hot. So I'm sort of also speaking on behalf of uh, Megan because I know when I brought this to her attention, she like screamed. So Amish stud on Lifetime on Saturday. That's it. All right. Um... Film-wise, I don't think I'm going to go to the movies this weekend. I, I was interested in seeing the creator, but I don't know. Um, we'll see. I got a lot of stuff going on this weekend. And uh, But TV-wise, I'm very interested in this show that has all of a sudden become the big show. Like, it's the, the, the highest-rated thing on HBO Max, and it's Naked Attraction. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I want to see that. Um, and I don't know why. But uh, just because I guess everybody's talking about it, was it was it good? I mean, were, were there naked people in it? What, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll find out about that. I'm continuing my rewatch of HBO's Veep, uh, which I find oh. incredibly funny. Um, shocker. And uh, I will wrap up uh, the fall of the House of Usher. 
um, hopefully by the end of the weekend. Um, Film-wise, I, I do have a screener for uh, Fair Play, which I think is a Netflix movie. Uh, yeah, I'm dying um, to see that. Yeah, I also so have a, yeah, and I also have a screener for Flora and Son. Yeah, I need which to watch is, that. Uh, John Carney of uh, Sing Street and um, what's that? The big one. Um, uh, Sing Street and uh, Begin Again and uh, no, Once. the other one. Once. Thank you. Uh, I always forget that Begin Again ever existed, but I used to love that song um, that they, uh, I guess, uh, Maroon 5 came up with out of that one. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, books, I'm uh, trying to trudge through the Lion Club by Annie Ward. And I got to tell you, it's not getting better. <laughs> not going to lie. Lou. Not going to lie. Um, yeah. So that's, that's that. And I'm, uh, I'm waiting for those Gilded Age screeners. God. I feel like once those drop, if I get an email for those, like, I'm going to hear you screaming from North Carolina. I'll be like, I'll be flying over the state of North Carolina on my way to Orlando and it'll, I will hear the scream up in the plane. It may disrupt your uh, engine. You may crash. (laughs) (laughs) No, sorry. Oh, that's a terrible joke for some to play, to say uh, on someone who uh, was afraid of flying. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right. So does that cover it? Yeah. All right, let's get the hell out of here. So we are the two M's contributors, Joey Moser and me, Clarence Moy, thanking you for joining us, asking you to remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us, and wishing you a very pleasant tomorrow.